Acts chapter number 26 this morning. Again, I appreciate you being here. And uh, Nikki, I talked about you, and you wouldn't even hear from me to talk about you. So I guess I'll say it again. If I told Nikki last Sunday he got out in that water. Y'all couldn't see his face coming in, but I could. And he was making expressions I'd never seen him make before. And uh, he got out there, and he was facing away, and Brother Brian was being biblical, saying, hey, do you know that you're saved? You know, and, then, and then I, of course, had to put some humor in there. I said, Nikki, you know, I was preaching salvation in July. And he said, I, I know, I, I know. So if uh, it's not my fault, that either way, I'm thankful for those that accepted Christ and got baptized. And you're welcome for that, Nikki. You can pay me later. But I am thankful to be here this morning. Acts 26, I was looking, thinking this week, and I don't watch really the news any. Matter of fact, I find out more news when I get to work and the local gossips come in at Stokes Tire like we have everywhere and they sit down and they don't buy anything. They just come to tell us what, what's going on and who done this, who wasn't at church, sent it to church and who, what their preacher preached that they didn't like. I get all kinds of stories a lot of times at Stokes Tire. But I, I, I have, I do know what's going on across the waters. And I'm not preaching this morning a, a prophetic message on Israel because I'm not a, I'm not, I'll be honest with you, I don't know everything I should know and I'm still learning. And I love listening to prophetic preachers that can tell you what this is what's taking place and this is who, and I love and I soak that up. But I'm not that man. I've got some people that you could listen behind and listen to preach if you want to hear that kind of stuff. But I am aware of what's going on in our country and I'm aware of what's going on. We say, Brother Brandon, it's happening way over there. Well, can I tell you, just as they found out in a split second it can be at our door in our living room just in a second and don't think at all he said with Brandon we're not involved I'm going to work tomorrow we are involved and we will be involved and I promise you our Bible is literally being foretold it's being it's being developed and it's being it's being it's being basically it's being shown on the shores of our seas all around the world and it is exactly there's nothing in here that's not happening there's nothing that's going to happen that's not in here but we better wake up we better pay attention I said all that to say this I was thinking this morning there's a lot of things that are uncertain in our world all of us would agree with that Miss Anita this morning there's a lot of things that we don't know what's going to happen there's questions about which banks do you put your money in and I'm going somewhere in Acts in just a second but where, where do you put your trust where do you put your stock or where do you put this or do I be aggressive or do I be conservative do I what do I do there's a lot of things that I just don't know the answers to I mean matter of fact uh, other than a few of you in here listen you say well, should I buy this or buy that I'm probably one of the most unluckiest people you ever meet I could be the only person left Miss Linda in a raffle and I still wouldn't win a lot of times sometimes I do but many of you have that same mentality in your life but a lot of things are unsure but I started thinking about this week and really with my family and we're about to the point that we need to make sure we understand the absolutes in our life there are many things that we don't know but there are some things that will always be an absolute. Now, we'll look at some spiritual things in just a moment, but by way of introduction, I thought about this. That word absolute is something we can depend on. Webster defines it as something that is not dependent upon external conditions for existence. It simply is, all the time, regardless of what's going on. It is absolute. Absolutes have been described as the pillar of our society. You think about our mathematics and many teachers in here and people that have studied, and there's some absolute truths in mathematics. I don't know a lot about English, but I know a little bit about math. But I think about one plus one always equals two. I think about any number times zero always equals zero. A couple of you still remember that. Any number times one always equals the number that you're multiplying times one. Those are things that do not change. Those are things that are absolutes in our life. There may be, I mean, you could think about I before, all the things you talk about English, and again, I'm not an English student by no means, but there's certain rules that make up our, our, our world that cannot change. There are certain points of north, south, east, and west that we go by, and they are concrete absolutes in our life. Absolutes can also 
this morning, but Jonathan, be harsh. We all were born, and can I tell you, other than the rapture coming, we all one day will die. It's a reality. I don't like going, and I, often I have plenty of funeral homes that do business with me, and if Brother Allen comes in or Brother Kevin, I can say, hey, how's your business? Is business good? I don't like asking funeral home directors if their business is good because that means somebody is dying. But can I tell you the absolute reality is I was born January 6, 1989, and there's coming a day that I don't know and I don't want to know that the Lord doesn't come back, Brother Wayne, that I will leave this world, and that will be the date that's at the end of my tombstone. We don't like thinking about it. We don't like talking about it. But the harsh reality is it is an absolute truth. And the Bible gives us verses, Brother Evan, that says we all were born and we all one day will die outside of the rapture. Now, what you do after death is up to you. We're going to live eternally one or two places. Just because you live and just because you die doesn't mean that that's it. Everybody in here, listen to me, will live eternally guaranteed. That is an absolute It is either going to be in heaven or it's going to be in a place that was created for the devils and his angels called hell. That is an absolute. There is no gray area. You say, well, Brother Brandon, this politician says this or this teacher says that. Listen, one plus one is always two. Anything times zero is always zero. And you will live forever somewhere. That is an absolute in our life. We've given absolutes. Matter of fact, this morning, I don't recommend you doing this. But if you hold your breath long enough, Brother Travis, you will die. That is an absolute. Little Josiah came out of pneumonia, and listen, I, I know you say, with well, the band, it's not a big deal, but it is to us, and I know Brother Brian testifies as well. I think I checked on him and Christy more that night than I have in, in all their life together. I went in there, and I, I'd get down on the bed, and I'd watch his stomach, and whatever pajamas he had on him, I wanted to make sure that Mario was still going up, and Mario was still going down, or whatever he was wearing. Last night, he had on a pumpkin shirt and Christmas pants. He can't figure out which holiday he wants to celebrate, but that's what he wore to bed. But I began to watch his stomach because that's my child. That is someone that I'm invested in, Brother Allen. If he needed something, if he needed the breath out of my lungs and I could give it to him, I would. But the absolute reality is if we quit breathing, it's all over. It's been said before, I don't like getting old. As our pastor said, it sure beats the alternative because absolutes are common. In our life, there are some things that cannot change. So, the Brandon, what's that got to do anything with our scriptures? Well, how about scriptural absolutes? How about biblical absolutes? Do you realize there's some things, and we could preach on a million of them this morning, that are absolutes in our scripture? One of them I just told you, obviously, is that you're going to live forever somewhere. But if you, over the next few weeks, and I'll have some time, usually during this time of the season, that you'll get to see my face and Brother Evan's face more than you normally do because our pastor's traveling. And I've never preached a series the entire time he's been gone. And just because I say that I may, it'll, it'll probably all get blown to pieces, Miss Janet, and I probably won't. But I want, with God's help and God's liberty, I want to look over the next few weeks with some absolutes that's in the Scriptures. I'm not really interested this morning in things that can change, but I am interested in things that are absolute. Say, Brother Brandon, the whole Bible is absolute. Can I tell you, we understand that some things that God has for us in our life are based on decisions that we make. And some things are absolutes regardless. And over the next few weeks, I want to look at that and the final authority about it. Now, let's get one thing out of the way. I'm not going to preach any convictions of mine personally. I'm not going to try to preach any convictions these next couple weeks because I'm not interested in what my convictions are. You understand a conviction and a commandment is two different things. A lot of people say, well, I don't do this because God hasn't convicted me of it. Well, if God commands us in the Bible, conviction is not necessary. If God tells us that, hey, thou shalt not kill, it doesn't matter if I'm convicted about it or if it bothers me or not, thou shalt not kill is a commandment not only by our police department, Brother Tyler, but also by our 
Lord and Savior in dealing with the Ten Commandments. But some things are absolute. Some things are absolute whether we like it or we don't like it. I thought about biblical absolutes by Evan this morning, and I want to start this morning with the first one out of Acts chapter number 26, and I've said a lot to get to the Scripture. We're going to read and preach quickly. But biblical absolutes, there's a few of them that we're going to look at. I'm going to look at the first one today, and the first one has three parts. I'm only going to preach one part this morning, and some of you say, Amen, praise the Lord for that. I'm not going to go any deeper. We'll deal with the second one tonight if God will help us. But the first one is found here in Acts 26. Acts 26, verse number 1, the Bible says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. And then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself. Many of you, I'll read a few, few more verses in just a moment. Many of you remember, uh, Brother George, a few, probably been, I don't know, four or five years ago, maybe even longer than that, on a Halloween night. I believe it's Halloween fail on a Wednesday night, and we were here at church, and for some reason, probably the same reason that I'm preaching this morning, our pastor was out of town. And I preached a message on how to obtain a testimony. How do you get a testimony? Because that's what Paul here is teaching. He is he basically, Agrippa said, Paul, thou art permitted to speak for thyself. And the next few verses, basically all the way down to verse number 27, Paul begins to tell Agrippa, and he tells all these others that's here, and I'm not going to mention all the names this morning, he begins to tell them what God did for him. And can I tell you this morning, we're not preaching on that again, but can I tell you that's simply what a testimony is. It isn't polished. It isn't perfect. It isn't isn't holy all the time. It's just simply opening your mouth, not bragging on a cat, not bragging on a dog, not bragging on a teacher or a preacher. It's bragging on what God did for you, and you'll be amazed at the lives that your testimony will impact if we just open our mouths. That's what Paul's doing here. Jeremy, this morning Paul is giving his testimony, and it's a convicting testimony. Brother Brandy, how do you know that it's convicting? Well, get down to verse number 28, which many of you have marked in your Bible, and it'll be our text verse this morning for the next few moments. Then Agrippa, which is who again, in verse number 1, gave Paul the opportunity and permission to speak. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but all that hear me on this day were both almost and altogether such as I am except these bonds. Agrippa's answer is what I want to look at this morning because it is the first biblical absolute in our scriptures that I want to preach on these next few weeks. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Can I tell you that word almost is never good enough. A biblical absolute, Brother Matt, this morning, the first one is this, absolute or almost, the absolute is the almost will never be enough. But I tell you, that word almost is never enough encouragement. Matter of fact, I say it like this, and I say it often to our kids, and you say you ought to be more encouraging, but I tell them when competing, second place is great, except you're the first loser. That's what second place is. You say, Brother Brandon, that's really encouraging to our young people, but it is. If you're going to do something, go all at it. You say, Brother Brandon, I got second place, and I know that may be good, but technically, you're just the first one that lost. Because first place took it. You say, well, Brother Brandon, you just busted my bubble and all my trophies in my room. I get it. I've been in a competition before uh, with Forbush, and we say we came back and told Mr. Cave, uh, Miss Beth, that we got second in the state in something. He called the school, put it on the sign. Come to find out when they give us our award, they announced there was only two teams that competed, and we got second. <laughs> he was not pleased with us when we got back to school. But we did not lie, Brother George. We just said we got second. That part was there was four of us competing against one person, and that one person beat all four of us in what we was doing. We were the pride of Forbush on that day. Second place, almost. 
It's been said, well, almost as good in hand, or, or hand grenades and horseshoes, but still not good. How many times you heard this your statement, we almost won, or we almost made it, or I was almost on time for Sunday school, or I was almost here, I was almost there. That simply means that we were almost there, but not always there. In our text this morning, one of the saddest things we see is Agrippa telling Paul, and I believe he's under conviction. You read your Bible, you can interpret it however you interpret it, but I believe when Paul began to give his testimony, the first absolute we see this morning is the word almost will never be good enough. There's three statements that, about this word almost that will not be sufficient. We're going to look at the first one this morning. Three statements where the word almost will never be sufficient. Number one, this morning, first of all, by the way of, of preaching this message, I want you to know that say, this statement, I almost got saved, will never be sufficient. There's not going to be one person that gets to heaven and they're bragging because I almost got in. Or I almost give Christ my life. Can I tell you, as a grip of here, and I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but I never, Brother Evan, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm never seeing the scriptures after this point that Agrippa ever accepted Christ. And he already knows, obviously, he's in eternity now, but there'll be a day that he stands before God at that white throne judgment. And the word almost out of Acts chapter number 26, verse 28, will not get him into heaven. Because almost is a definite. I'm talking about assurities. It is a definite that almost is never good enough. I almost got saved. Let me tell you, by the way of getting into this, that I'm afraid that we've allowed the world, and I'm preaching as nicely as I can this morning, but I can I tell you, as I said, I believe with all my heart, with all that's going on, and I've heard all my life over and over, Brother James, that the Lord is coming, the Lord is coming, but the Lord is coming, but there's not much more over there that he's going to deal with before he comes, that he's going to allow before he comes. You say, Brother Brandon, we're not involved in that in East Bend, North Carolina. No, but I promise you this, there ain't going to be two raptures. When God takes them out, he's going to take us out, and I want to make sure that I'm ready. I don't want to go to heaven on almost. I don't want to go to perform our Savior on an almost, but I'm afraid we've allowed the world, Brother Allen, and mankind to create a confusion concerning the word salvation. It is not confusing, but we have made it confusing. Brother Dalton, salvation cannot be taught in a class. Salvation cannot be given by somebody standing behind a pulpit or behind a desk. Salvation this morning, Brother, Brother, Brother Travis, cannot be, cannot be obtained by a social status. or Brother Evan, it cannot be inherited because of someone else in our lives. Salvation isn't a, a process or a 12-step program or something that we've accepted because we were good or we grew up in church or whatever it may be. Salvation is not given. Salvation is not given by man. It's given by God, but it is accepted and almost will never be good enough. Salvation is something that must be personal. Romans chapter number 10, verse number 9 reads, and I'm not reading it this morning, I'll paraphrase for the sake of time, that if we shall confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Christ has been raised, then thou, thou shalt be saved. Brother Brandon, what does that mean? That means that salvation has always been, Miss Linda, one way, and it will always be the same way. There's nothing new. There is no creation. There's not a, hey, I come forward with 300. If you got saved in a group of 300, then more power to you. But I believe all my heart, even if you come with a group of 500 or 400 or 14 or 1 or whatever it may be, it's not what the group does. It is what you do personally in your life. As an eight-year-old little boy, I can take you with Brother Kevin within six inches of where 
my moment was. And you say, have you ever doubted? I have doubted, and I've got assurance in my parents' basement before, and there's nothing to be ashamed about. Listen, you say, with the brand, I'm battling with assurance. I'm not here to doubt, make you doubt your salvation this morning, but I'm here to tell you that if you're thinking, you know what, Brother Brandon, I'm almost saved, or maybe last Sunday you were here, and man, you said, hey, I, I know I need to go forward, and I know I need to get saved, and I know for sure that I need to make things right with the Lord because I know that next week I may not be here, but I'm going to wait one more week. Can I tell you, the same devil that said that last week will sit down beside you this morning, and you'll know for sure that, hey, I need to do something. I need to move, but I got stuff to do. It's as he gets done preaching, I've got places to be, I've got food that's cooking, I've got things that's done, and I promise you, I'll get saved. Those will be the ones that one day by the cabinet will stand before the Lord and say, you know what, I was so close, I almost got saved. Salvation is not complicated, salvation is simple, but we have made it confusing. There are not many ways, our confessions, our, it's a confession that our sins and, and believing in His payment, believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and that there was a payment, salvation is a man, salvation is not man or man-made, therefore it cannot be obtained by man, it cannot be attained through a class, it cannot be, our sins cannot be washed by baptism, it's not, Brother Nikki, I'm thankful you were baptized last week, and I'm not picking on I love him this morning, but just because you went down to the river and you were baptized, you came back out 40 or 50 years ago and your name's on a roll, that does not not mean that you're saved brother brandon you say brother brandon that's kind of harsh you can't tell me that i'm lost you're right the only person that i know is saved in this room is myself because for the whole i was there now there's been others that i've had a chance to lead to the lord and i believe by your fruits that you're there but can i tell you there is no other way except for knowing for sure your sins are forgiven wednesday night we've been going through a series down there on some things you should know some things that i've been taught about coming to church all my life that they need to know everything from why do we carry a Bible to church? Why do we sit up during church? Why do we not play games during church? All the way down to why we come to church, when we come to church, where we go to church, how we go to church. Last Wednesday night, I would ask these boys, but I'm afraid they wouldn't take good notes like their sisters and girlfriends do. But I would ask them this morning what we talked about last Wednesday night was simply, can you know for sure that you're saved? And you can know for sure you're saved. But the reality is, in the verses that we went through last Wednesday night, dealing with the sheep and the shepherd, he said, my sheep know here. They know my voice. They hear my voice, and they know me. Brother Brandon, I've been in this church for 40 and 50 years. I've been here one service. I've been here 13 years. I've been here three seconds. But I've never heard the Lord speak to me. Can I tell you, his sheep hear his voice. They know his voice. And if I was here this morning and I've never heard Christ speak to me, you say, Brother Brandon, are you telling me that I'm lost? I'm telling you this morning, I don't have the authority to tell you whether you're saved or whether you're lost. I am not God. But if he's never spoke to you, if he's never ministered to your heart, if you've never heard him calling, I would check up this morning. Brother Brandon, almost will never be enough. Almost, Brother Kevin, will never be enough. Salvation is important. It is not inherited through a choice of others. Salvation is personal and almost Will not cut it. So, Brother Brandon, you've got to tell me Bible for that. We don't have time to turn to all these places this morning. So you're going to have to trust me that they're in the Bible. A couple of them may have you turned to, but we're going to look through this quickly this morning. But that phrase, almost, is a guarantee in our scripture. It's a biblical guarantee that almost will never cut it. You can go all the way back to Genesis chapter number 4 this morning. Brother Allen, you don't have to turn there this morning. But think about this. The first murder we hear about in the scriptures is Cain and Abel. Why did that lead? What escalated that to 
being a murder in the Bible. And there's been many people that say, hey, listen, that gun's the problem, and this is the problem. It's not a gun problem. It's not a knife problem. It's a heart problem. It's been a heart problem ever since Genesis chapter number 4, and this is where it's happened. At this time, after the sin in the garden, we know Adam and Eve have sinned, and they went and got those fig leaves because they realized they were a sinner. And from that point on, there had to be bloodshed. You remember Christ killed the animal and clothed them with the animal skin. Something had to lose its life in order for them to gain life. So now we come to their two boys in Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter number 4, and it's come time to bring a sacrifice. Now Cain was a worker of the field. He probably brought forth the best corn and the best apples and the best fruit. But the problem with that was it cost him nothing. There was no bloodshed. He could go back to that same field and get another piece of corn. He could go back to that same tree and get another apple. He could get another carrot or another piece of wheat or whatever it may be. And God wasn't ugly about it. He just told Cain, this is not going to cut it. This is almost good enough, but it's not going to be good enough. Then here comes his brother Abel. And Abel has raised this little lamb and has raised it and made sure that it didn't have any broke legs. And it, it didn't have a blemish. And it didn't have a spot. And it didn't have any marks on his body. And he gave that little lamb that he cared for more than more than likely for the Kevin that he slept with many nights to protect it this was his little lamb and he slayed that lamb and he offered it to Christ he offered it to God and God accepted it because there was bloodshed Cain you know the story God asked him why he was so wrong he gave him another opportunity but instead of getting right Cain got mad y'all have learned this they may be learning about it they're not learning about it today I know I printed the sheets but back there we've colored that that rock and that picture and you see Abel laying on the ground and Cain walking away in banishment and God forbidding anyone to hurt him. You know the story, but you say, Brother Brandon, what happened to that? Cain came forth with an offering of, 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 to cover his sins and to cover his sacrifice, and it was good. But it was almost good enough. For the horde, it wasn't good enough. We move on from Cain and Abel in the Scriptures of learning why almost is not enough. Then we get to Genesis chapter number 7, and we're just six chapters into the Bible. And I know the Bible may not be chronological order, and Genesis may not be the oldest book, but understand from front to back, we're only six chapters in. I often do this with the kids. If I got to Genesis chapter number 6, which is somewhere about right here, that's how much of my Bible that we've read. That's how much more we've got to read, Brother Jamie. It only took us six chapters in our mankind to mess everything up that God planned for us. In Genesis chapter number 6, we know that God said, listen, it basically it grieved and that he even made man. You say, Brother Brandon, how in the world is he putting up with what we're living in today? I'm telling you, the Bible says, as in the days of Noah, that the, that the Lord is going to return, Brother Evan. And I believe with all my heart, it's not much going to take place more when God's coming back. But in Noah's days, Brother Dalton, just like Cain and Abel, God told Noah, he said, I want you to build an ark. Can I encourage you just for a minute? Look at me. There's never, ever, ever been a judgment in the Bible. And there'll never, ever be a judgment to come that God hadn't always first sent a way out. There's many people that blame, that blame, it could be blame a pastor for a decision or it could blame even God. I can't believe a loving God would send someone to a burning hell. There is not one person, Brother James, that's going to be in hell because God designed for them to go to hell. And if you hear anybody else preaching anything differently, I'm not the pastor of this church, but the only authority of the Word of God, anybody else is telling you that is a liar. Because there's not one person that God wants to go to hell. But there are millions that choose to reject and to walk away. To get as close, to go to every camp of the Jeremy, to get in everything, to get as close as they can. They can sit right here and the altar is right there and they die lost. And when they get to heaven, there's not going to be one person that says, I can't believe God sent that person, Brother Wayne, to hell. They were there every service. They were, they were the greatest person in our church. I can't believe God would send that person to hell. Can I tell you, they did not. He did not. They almost got saved, but they did not get saved. 
Noah and the ark, you know the story, it, it was years and years and years. It wasn't just like going to the market or down to Santee Cooper or wherever else and buying a boat and coming back and saying, hey, this is the boat, get on it. No, it was years, it was boards, it was day, it was night. Every single day, there's not one person that was in that town that did not know what Noah was doing. There probably was a committee at the local tire shop that talked about Noah as well or the beauty salon or whatever went on that day. But they went every day and they said, man, I can't believe this fool is building a boat in the middle of a field. We've never seen rain. God is watered from beneath. He's, the, the stuff is growing from underneath. We've never seen a raindrop. He is an idiot. He's a fool for doing this. But over, over, and over. And I can imagine Noah probably got discouraged. The Bible doesn't talk about it. But can I tell you, he was a human just as much as I was. You ever had a bad day at work? Well, how about having a bad day not knowing why you're building what you're building? Nobody's ever seen it before. Everybody that comes by is mocking you and your family, talking about your wife, talking about your children. Some of you have been there, but every day you just keep hammering. And one day, Brother Travis, God said, that's it. That's enough. Noah took his wife. Noah took his boys and their family. They got on the ark. The animals got on there. And by the way, he said, Brother Brandon, how do you know when the Lord's going to come back? Well, if I see animals lining up two by two, I'm going to follow them this morning, wherever they're going. And maybe the zoo, I don't know. But wherever they're going, that's where I'm going to follow them. But on that day, Brother Kevin, when God put them in that ark, the Bible says in Genesis chapter number 7, verse number 15 and 16, it wasn't Noah that pulled a rope. It wasn't Noah that mashed a button. It was God that shut the door. And Brother Brandon, what does that mean? Could I tell you, and I preach this, I'll never forget, I only preached this one time out of this text. We were at Ocean Isle Beach for one of our winter challenges, and I preached a message on something similar to what we're preaching this morning. Can I tell you, as soon as that boat door shut that day, and I believe all the town could hear it shut, a door that big, you're going to hear it when it shuts. And then one raindrop, another raindrop, another raindrop, another raindrop. And all of a sudden, they begin to panic. And all of a sudden, they begin to run to where that boat was. And I can't prove this, but you just give me a little bit of liberty this morning. I bet if we could find today the remains of that ark and they had been, in content, and they had been kept preserved, I guarantee you they'd be claw marks all the way down the side of that thing. Can I break your heart this morning? I don't mean to be sad and doom and gloom, but it ain't just going to be adult claw marks that's up and down the side of that boat. There was teenagers that knew right and there was new wrong. And guys, they made a decision that they've heard about it. They may have walked by it. Some of them may have even walked on the boat as he was building it just to look around. I guarantee you somebody did. Just to be nosy. You don't believe me, you build a house. Everybody in the community drives down there and see what you're doing. Right, Brother Evan? But everybody's there. Why? Because they're just wanting to know what's going on. You put a gate up, keep somebody out, or a piece of Baylor's twine or something. If you can't afford a gate, just put some twine up or something. But you think about it in your life, they wanted to know. But that day when God shut that door, there was no, now I believe you. Now, Brother George, I, I understand that you were right. Now I know what you were saying. Now I understand. And, man, I want to get on more than anything in the world. But they, they see, Brother Brandon, what happened. And I'm not meaning to be graphic or gruesome this morning, but I could almost visually, as I'm reading it out of Genesis 7, hear the screams and hear the begging and hear the crying. And all of a sudden, it gets louder and louder and louder and louder. And all of a sudden, it stops. And the water's got so high, and they can't swim any longer. Every animal that was left, every human that was left, for the horde, they almost got on the boat but they didn't get on the boat brother brandon that's a horrible story god gave them ample time the scratches the screaming the sobbing soon turned to silence it doesn't stop in the book of genesis looking through our bible front to back i'm trying to prove to you that almost will never be enough it's a guaranteed in the bible exodus chapter number 12 you know the next account there pharaoh is holding hostage all the children of israel the Lord of the Lord has sent different plagues, and we're not going to go through all of them this morning, but just to mention one, he says this, he says in paraphrasing, he said, tonight the death angel is going to come. 
And he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, take that, I want you to take that lamb just as Abel did. I want you to sacrifice it with your family. I want you to dress it, and I want you to paint the doorpost with your blood across and down both sides. And the Bible says, Exodus chapter number 12, verse number 13, I'm paraphrasing for the sake of time, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. But some people didn't believe that that night. Some people may not even have known that that night. But I can promise you, Brother Dalton, that the next morning when they woke up, I, again, I can almost hear the blood-curdling scream go through Egypt. And all those mothers that went to get their children out of their bed and their children, their firstborn, was no longer alive because the blood had never been applied. Can I tell you, we can keep kicking the can down the road all we want to. And I know who we're preaching to this morning, but I, know, I don't know who's listening. I don't know who needs this. But can I tell you, we can keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing, but there's coming a morning when what God's promise is going to happen is going to happen. Brother Brandon, it's a sobering thought. It's a frightening thought. But the blood had been applied. And I can imagine the next morning, and I hope my family would have been the ones that had. I had my boys, and it had been Malachi in this situation. Of course, and I take Malachi, and I've, I've got him. I've prayed over him all night. Probably didn't sleep a lot that night because even though we're putting faith in the Lord, I'm still a human being. But I put the blood on my door like I said I would. The next morning, I see the sun come up. Malachi's stomach still rising and falling. I'm thinking, you know what? God fulfilled his promise. He promised me if the blood was applied that my family be protected. But maybe my neighbor, I hear a scream. They're beating on my door, and they're beating on this door, and they're beating on that door, and they're beating on this door door and all of a sudden from pharaoh's house all the way down to the lowest slave or whatever it may be if they did not have the blood they could have almost done it they could have even bought the lamb to do it but if they didn't do it almost isn't going to be enough can i tell you this morning this coming a sunday and it breaks my heart to know this and i don't even want to think about this church i hope this church is empty but there's coming a sunday when you come to this church if you're able to get in there won't be no preacher in the pulpit there won't be no van in your driveway there won't be no choir in a choir loft. And you'll know. You'll know. Brother Brandon, I almost asked Christ to save me. Salvation's simple. I said it before, and I'm not here to scare you this morning and make you doubt. And I hope I'm not coming across that way. But there had to be a time in my life, Jeremy, just like your life, Jonathan's and Hoyt's, and Miss Kira's, and Brother Travis's, and Brother Ed's, that I saw myself as a sinner. Jesus Christ died for me, and I believe that. I believe with all my heart, not about what I said, not about how I said it, but simply I knew I was a sinner, and without salvation, I was going to go to hell. I knew somebody had paid, the preacher preached that night on somebody taking my place, preached on the shepherd, and I had a pastor that just preached here a couple weeks ago, Brother Marvin Blackburn, that took the Bible. He didn't give me some 30-point outline. He didn't tell me I had to do something different. He showed an 8-year-old little boy, this is what the Bible says, and if you'll trust in him and ask him to save you, he'll do that. That's salvation. It ain't complicated, Brother Travis. But can I tell you, almost is not going to be good enough. Exodus chapter number 12, as we said this morning, Exodus chapter number 12, the lamb, the blood was applied. Almost. I could go on and on. I'm going to skip these so we can close. But in Luke 16, think about the rich man and Lazarus. How many times that rich man had walked, Brother Carlton walked out his driveway and saw that beggar laying in the ditch there and didn't think anything about it. I don't know if the, he heard the beggar pray unto the Lord, but at some point, somehow, that beggar had accepted Christ by faith. Christ, you said, Brother Brandon, listen, you get, don't get bogged down in the Old Testament looking towards the Christ, New Testament looking back at the Christ. It all centers at Calvary. Calvary's in the middle of everything. But at some point, according to our Bible, that beggar had accepted Christ. And he woke up in heaven. He woke up in eternity. He woke up in paradise. But that rich man that had walked by him every day had said, almost, almost time, Almost. Why would I need what he's got when I've got what I've got? Almost. 
almost. Then he raised his head in hell, and forever he'll be into it. You know the story. Prayed for one drop of water. Prayed for someone to go tell his brothers. But Brother Jonathan, almost wasn't enough. See, Brother Brandon has a lot of stories this morning about almost, and I'm trying to prove a point this morning. Most of the time, your absolutes are proven by fact. There's facts that one plus one is two. There's facts that anything times zero is zero. There's proven facts. I'm trying to show you in the scripture this morning that from the beginning of the pages all the way to the end of the pages that there's proof that almost just isn't enough. We come back to our text this morning and Agrippa says here in verse number 28, then, then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You say, well, Brother Brandon, why, does, why is that important? I don't know. I don't have time to preach this morning on why he didn't there's different speculations it could have been because of those that were around him it could have been those because those that had gone before him it could have been because those that was a voice within him but whatever the reason we never ever ever brother Evans, see agrippa accepting christ as a savior and i can guarantee you that almost wasn't enough we'll meet him one day but it will not be at a good meeting if he didn't make things right with christ i'll meet him one more time in his life and i'll be standing on this side he'll be standing on that side and I'll watch him forever. We turn thrown into a lake of fire. I don't know Agrippa. I never met him. Paul will be there that day. Peter will be there that day. But all that makes a difference, Brother Hoyt, is that he almost accepted Christ as his Savior, but he didn't. Could have been some religious crowd before him that told him that he was going to go to heaven because he did this. Or it could have been that his mom and dad signed him up for something and said, hey, you're going to go to heaven because you're in this, or we paid for this. But that's not going to get anybody to heaven. This morning, looking at this almost, there's a last one. And it's 12 o'clock on the nose, and we're going to be gone. There's a last one this morning, and I want you to turn here because I want you to see it for yourself and not just take my word. But Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 21 through verse number 23. Many of you know it. Many of you have it marked. But there's one more text this morning I want to show you this morning in this message. Absolutes of the Scriptures, guaranteed facts that almost will never be enough. Matthew chapter number 7 paints a gruesome stage, and I... I'm thankful I won't be there, but can I tell you, it breaks my heart that I know people by their testimony that will be there, that have, that, that have already gone on, that have no other option but to be there. But in Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 21, the Bible says, The Lord is speaking, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Verse number 23 could be arguably the saddest verse in the Bible, Brother Wayne. And I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Can I tell you this morning, you're giving an opportunity this morning. If you're saved, you ought to thank God for that. We ought to be burdened for those that are not. You ought to thank God that we're saved. I thank the Lord for a preacher that took a Bible and showed an eight-year-old little boy how to be saved. I'm thankful for that. But it ought to break my heart this morning to realize that there could be just, a, well, this morning in the number of this size, there could be somebody sitting beside of us this morning, or there could be somebody on our road or in our neighborhood or in our church directory that on this day you will meet them again, but you're going to be meeting them with, with Christ addressing them at verse 23. And he's professing unto them that I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. We have looked back at Genesis at Cain and Abel and Noah. We've traveled to Egypt and saw the blood on the door. We have saw the rich man and Lazarus. We've heard from Agrippa that he almost was persuaded. But there's one more person that I want to talk about this morning as we close. And that's you. And that's me. Matthew 7, 21 through 23, if we just read it, there's coming a day that almost, uh, that, that almost will not be enough. Of this I can guarantee. 
Brother Brandon, why is it so important to preach this on a Sunday morning? Why is it so adamant when the, when the cream of our crop is here? Why is it so important that, 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 we, that we look at this? Let me tell you, there's some people here that may have heard this for the first time today, that they've never heard it before. They've never heard that what they've been taught all their life is going to be enough to get them to heaven. And I want to be, so I'm not anything special, whether Evan or anybody else could have preached this morning, but I'm telling you, the Word of God says this morning and teaches us that it's a guaranteed fact that almost will never be good enough in the phrase, I almost got saved. Could I encourage you this morning? I really don't care what happens after today. I don't care what you become in your life. I don't really care what's going on in your social, your financial, your, your athletic, whatever your, your dreams are in your life are not important at this moment. What's important this morning, as Miss Savannah comes, what's important is that you know for sure that when you're sentenced, it says, I was almost saved. The almost has been removed, and it says, I was saved. That's really all that matters. I mean, we got stuff going on today. Many of you are planning for retirement. Many of you are planning for life and planning for school and planning for everything else. But you realize all that stuff that we are doing to stay busy, that's all man created. God didn't create industries necessarily. God didn't create Monday through Friday jobs necessarily. God didn't start all our busyness. That was us. He put us here to worship Him, to live for Him. Mankind made a decision to separate from God. You say, well, that wasn't my fault. Let me tell you, if you'd been there, I'd been there. We'd done the same thing. We, we, we isolated ourselves with heaven from Christ. But He loved me enough that He said, it's not good enough. I'm not done with Him. I'm not giving up. I'm going to purchase them back that which I've created. I'm going to purchase them back that, that, I, that, that, that I've lost. So Brother Jeremy, you know the story. He was born of a Virgin Mary. We're fixing to celebrate that literally next month. He came, he lived a sinless life. 33 and a half years, he lived a sinless life. He was like us, but he wasn't like us. He was 100% God. He was 100% man. So, Brother Brandon, how can I figure that out? It's not important that I figure that out. It's important that I realize that he never done anything wrong. He was the spotless lamb. Abel's lamb was spotless. The bloodshed in Egypt was spotless. Everything was spotless. And our Savior was spotless. They didn't take his life. You've watched it illustrated. They break the, they break the center on one side of his legs. They break the other center. The Bible said that prophecy would be fulfilled. He gave his own life. He gave it. He took everything on himself, and he gave himself. And if that was it, we'd all be dying, lost, and going to hell. But the Bible said, Brother Hoyt, not only did he give his life, but then he took his life back. Three days later, I'm thankful we celebrated at Easter. It's not about a manger. It's not necessarily about a cross. But he gets up out of that tomb three days later, goes to hell. You know the story, has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He conquered it all. So now it's not what can I do to get saved. He's already done it. The question is, are you going to accept what he's done for you? Are you going to accept the free gift of salvation? Brother Brandon, I don't know what to say. Miss Maddie, I've tried my best this morning to make it sound as simple as this. You said, Brother Brandon, if I were to ask you this question, and I'm not going to pray a prayer with the whole group, because I can get a whole group of four-year-olds to pray a prayer together. But it's personal. Do you see yourself? Do you understand that proven? Is there any doubt, Brother Josh, this morning in the Scriptures, that is there any doubt, is there anywhere that I missed that almost was enough? Dealing with salvation, almost is never enough. There's not one person that is going to be in heaven because they almost got saved. There's not one Christian that's going to live forever in eternity because they almost got saved. They almost obeyed God. They almost, they put blood on one side of the door, but they didn't put it on the other side of the door. Can I tell you, it's either all or nothing dealing with salvation. Do you know you're a sinner? Has God dealt with your heart? 
Can I tell you, if you are this morning, there's no reason to be scared. There's no reason to be frightful. There's no reason to be fearful this morning. Because although I've told you a lot of bad stuff that's happened, this morning God allowed you to be in this place for this time, for this reason. Because today you can see yourself as a sinner, but you can see Him as a Savior. And if you see Him as a Savior, then I can tell you it's time to do business in your life. Brother Brandon, I want to go from almost being saved to knowing for sure that I'm saved. That's what matters. Man, I've got dreams for these young ones. I've got, I've got ambitions that I want to see them do. They're getting married. They're growing. They're a blessing. They're teaching. And that's wonderful. But if I could only have one thing to happen in their life, Brother Allen, Brother Josh, if God could take me to a place and assure me that Jeremy knows, that Jonathan knows, that Hoyt knows, that Kira knows, that Kylie knows, that Carson knows, that Kaylin knows, that Jesse knows, that all of these know for sure they're saved. That's sufficient enough for me. I want them to do great things. But I don't want to go to heaven wandering. I don't want to walk by somebody in a casket wandering. I wonder if they almost went to heaven or I wonder if they are in heaven. We stand to our feet today with our head bowed and our eyes closed. Can I tell you this morning, you said, Brother Brandon, I don't know what to do. Can I tell you, you step out, God will take care of the rest. Hello, friends. This is Brian Poindexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. 
You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sins. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.